0: Praise God, brothers and sisters. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here this evening, to know that we came here alive and well and in our right minds and everything was okay. Praise the Lord for that, that we're in this place. Before we begin service, I wanted to read a verse, and this verse is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Now you guys know the beginning of Hebrews 12, your New Year's was emphasizing this place in Scripture. But as you continue in this chapter, we see that there is an exhortation that is given to us as Christians. And I wanted to read through this. It's going to be a little bit lengthy, but I think we can follow along and see what the lesson is here that's given to us. This is the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, starting from verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You guys know this part of the chapter. And then the next part of the chapter goes like this. For consider him being Jesus, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart this chapter is about discipline and as we continue down this chapter the context is this if jesus christ being the son of god was willing to suffer as much as he did to the point of bloodshed we can say who are we to think that we are better or specifically verse 12 that says this therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Knowing that Jesus Christ was disciplined, so to speak, he never sinned, but he was disciplined to the point of death. He learned obedience by the things he suffered and he died on the cross. You and I have not resisted sin to the extent that Jesus Christ has. Very often we think of his beatings, his bruising, his scourgings, and those things did happen. But I go back even further when he was at the garden. He is praying and he's thinking about what he's about to do. And he is so stressed, he is so anxious about what he's about to do that he is praying and he is sweating drops of blood. You and I have not resisted sin like that, brothers and sisters. You and I have not stressed about sin to the point of sweating blood brothers and sisters. You and I have not gone that far, and yet our Lord Jesus Christ did. And knowing this, knowing that God will discipline us, knowing that it's all for our good, strengthen yourself, brother and sister. If you've come here and there is maybe something, some sin in your life that you have not been able to get rid of, maybe there's some trial in your life, something that's bogging you down, know this. Jesus Christ suffered, and he Resist it to the point of bloodshed. You and I are okay. You and I have not gone that far. Be sober-minded. Get a dose of realism in your life, brothers and sisters. Let me say it like this. You and I will go through trials. You and I will be disciplined by God. Strengthen your knees. Strengthen your hands. Stand straight, brothers and sisters. Put your chin up. Keep going because God is faithful to us. God resisted to the point of bloodshed. Even before the beatings, he was sweating blood You and I have not gone that far. Try a little bit harder. Know that God loves you. Know that you can do it. In the exhortation for all of us here this morning that I wanted to leave with you before we pray and begin worshiping is this: whatever it is that you're going through in regards to your spirituality, when it comes to your relationship with God, whatever you're going through, if it is rough, if and it will be rough, strengthen yourself. Strengthen your hands straighten those knees those knocking knees I like to think I remember when I first preached my knees were knocking strengthen those knocking knees brothers and sisters we're okay we are okay let's realize that we are okay we have not resisted that badly we have not suffered like Christ did God still loves us amen did did I encourage you was that okay are you can you guys accept that let's stand and pray before we worship
1: Good evening, brothers and sisters. Um, you know, I'll be playing the accordion later, but like I'm going to say a quick sermon. Today I'll be talking about why is it important to worship God in the spirit and in truth. If you guys could open your Bible to John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming, and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers and the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and the worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Jesus says an interesting thing. He said, God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Well, to understand what the Spirit and what the truth is, we have to look in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, says, speak into one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, and sing and make from your heart to the Lord. We can also go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. As you can see, Jesus is telling us to worship from the heart and worship that's done in a spiritual way. Now that we understand what worshiping in spirit is, now we'll look at what worshiping in truth is. You can worship God in truth, or you can worship God in pretense. Well, my, some might be asking what pretense is. It's pretending. Some people, well, a lot of people nowadays pretend to worship for whatever reason, maybe to impress someone. That's why Jesus is telling us to worship from the heart, worship that is genuine and not faking. That's why I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to worship in the spirit and truth. Amen. Now for the accordion. say guys
2: walking from there to here I realized I'm in big trouble if you guys know who my dad is and you know who my brother is I'm in big trouble I have a confession to make. I am not good with crowds, which you will come to realize why I'm so shocked that it was a miracle that I passed um, public speaking. Um, the, so a little background to that was when I was in the third grade, um, the teacher thought it was funny because they posted on on TV. There was this um, newscast going back when President George Bush, the second, the last one we had, uh, was president. He went out to um, Iraq, Iran, um, there was a war going on, and he gave this uh, speech in front of them, in front of this group. They were inside of a cave, and everybody started throwing their shoes at him. Well, the teacher thought that was funny, but to me in third grade, I was like, oh my gosh, that could happen. So since then, I'm like, ooh, if that ever happens to me. So please hold on to your shoes while we get through this, so. Um, in preparation for today's sermon... Um, I was thinking, what should I talk about? There are so many people in the Scripture that we can talk about, lives we can analyze and project it upon ourselves on how we are growing, what we should do to better ourselves, and and I started writing some sermons. I went, I started off with Peter, uh, with Peter and Scylla in the prison. Um, I started, then I went transferred over to um, Jonah, and then to Moses, then to Elijah. I'm like, why, what, something, something, something's, something's, something's not catching wrong with me. So I was like, what can I tell the youth of Slavic Christian Center today that I could touch everyone, that I could speak to everyone? And I was like, and then this, this, this thing came to me and said, talk about something as if it was your last time you were ever talking to them. And then it was pretty clear. I'm like, well, given my age... Youth is pretty much behind me. So, I wanted to kind of briefly talk about youth, as we all are. Um, So, if we read from Ecclesiastes, um, chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draws near when when you say, I have no pleasure in them when you're young your life is okay the way i see life is basically in sections in categories in terms when we're infants when we're toddlers and our parents are raising up they teach us the essentials to help us through life these essentials that we are given as children they help us in our in our in our youth in our teen to they manifest into something greater, but they're, but they're very much mastered in our youth. The way to walk, the way to talk, the way you dress, the way you greet, the way you eat at the table. All these little things. And then the parents start to build a foundation on how, do we, how us are to be raised as Christians. Um, so after we get from childhood and we grow up, and we enter the stages of youth. We then take that information that our parents have given us, that instilled in us, and we, we, we build up on it. We master it on our own. We are no longer holding on to our parents. We go to school. We go, to, we go our own ways. We go with our own friends. And wherever we are in the world, we rely on what we were taught. But we also build on. Now, what we build in our in our youth, we build upon what we were taught. But then what we continue to build in our youth, we prepare for the next chapter, the next term of our life, that is adulthood. We are very fragile. We all know that. We are very fragile right now in our state. Friends, they can bring us down the wrong path. Uh, peer pressure, temptation, it's around us every day. Even before you even wake up in the morning, your eyes are still closed. You hear the alarm clock slap ring slap that's weakness it's a, it manifests itself in many forms so if we read here it says remember now your creator in the days of your youth if we do not keep in on the back of our mind the seed that has to blossom into something bigger that if we do not feed the need to to, under, to understand the way of living to follow Christ we will lose the we will lose our um, we will, well, what we won't say is remember now your creator. you won't remember your creator. You will find reasons not to. Um, the problem with uh with the youth is there's they, some some of us, probably those that aren't here today, we they um, they either are blinded by the truth. Or they are simply deny it, ignore it. I have this one guy that works for me. Um, he's in his early thirties, mid thirties I don't know um, he you can tell he's been doing hardcore drugs his entire life it, it It is the saddest of sad. his half his teeth are gone. the ones he do he does have they're all but just golly daisies. I don't know if you can eat steak. And he's blind in one eye, and with the good eye he does have, he's cross-eyed. So whenever you tell him, does that wall look straight to you? He's like, yeah. Well, y- you can't expect much from him. In, their brain, in his brain is fried. But he's a really hard worker. He's sweet. He's charming. Well, well when he's not nuts. But um, what I'm getting at is every, t- every couple times a week, every morning he would see me. He'd be like, Boris, Jesus loves you. By the way, my name's Boris, if you don't know. Like, Jesus loves you. And And... Sometimes when you're just down, you know, you have that hard day, it's like, thank you. He loves you too. And he'd be like, and he'd get teary-eyed and say, yeah, I love him too. He saved me. And then later on that day, he comes, he goes to the bathroom for 20 minutes. He comes out looking like he snorted up a powdered donut. his it, fried. They're beyond saving at that point. You can try. You can try and you can tell that there's hope and glimmer in their in their eyes, that they want to and they know, but they're They've just, it's just the devil's got a hold on them so bad that it's just beyond. And um, if we aren't careful and we don't um, feed our, uh, if we don't feed that, that seed that our creator, God is our savior, and the way of life is through him, and he can redeem us, and he, through him we can find salvation, and that he is the way of life, the truth, and through his spirit we can find um, peace, comfort. And uh, so, if we uh, open up to Exodus twenty, Chapter Twelve, Exodus twenty, Verse Twelve uh, Honor your father and your mother in your days. May be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. I, this this commandment, is one of the commandments I tried my best with all my might to uphold. I'll be honest; there are times where I was when my parents would give me advice, and I was like, "Golly, well." That was back then. We've got technologies. We've got better, better methods of doing things these days, more efficient. Yield the same results, even better maybe. And then, well, the only problem is the world has changed, but people haven't. If there's a way to scam you, they will. Um, no one really cares about you but your parents. And um, as, as it says here, honor your father your mother that your day may be long upon the land which the Lord has given you. Well, who doesn't want to live long on earth? Yes, it's great to go to heaven. We all look forward to. But we're humans, we're flesh. We all want to see our families grow. We all want to see our kids grow. We all want to be with our loved ones. We all want to um, share the joyful moments that life has to offer, the ones that God has given us. He has given us life on this earth, yes, to worship him, yes, to serve him, yes, to follow him, yes, to, to spread his word, spread his gospel, but he gave it to us as a gift. It is a gift that we are blessed with, but through this blessing, it's a curse in disguise that we can lose our eternal life like that. Even though, as though we, even though we, st- as long as we have a beat in our chest, we can still find salvation. But we have to want to. We have to find that desire to be better. That desire to instill a better, better we, a better us. Um, like I said, um, because I'm almost out of my youth, I am starting to see the effects that my youth had. Um, for example, I, I got, I spent my whole life in school. I finished three years ago, and I completed two bachelor's degrees. But if I could redo it, I would not go to school. There's a long story to it. But going to school had actually kind of, it built my physical life in in a sense, minus losing my hair. But it also, I feel like it held me back spiritually. I, I never did drugs. I never hung out with people. I, I was the little kid in the corner. I, I All the good stuff. But I, I, I didn't have the time. I always found excuses why I shouldn't go to church, why I shouldn't go to youth, why I, sh- I couldn't help out in kids' camp, why I couldn't help out in Sunday school. All these little things that could have manifested into something greater, I gave those all up for what? A diploma? Two diplomas? Well, they're not doing me well. Okay, let's drop that. Okay. So what we do now in our youth, we will we will we will reap later on in life. Whether it's something small that we will reap at the beginning of our adulthood or later on in our youth, or if it's something large that we won't notice until it's later down the road when we're in our 80s or 90s, it all has a ripple effect. There was a there's a saying, there was a quote um, by a theologist. Um, It said, to someone you might be the only Bible they will ever read. Well, I I like to reword that and say, to someone you might be the first Bible you will ever read. With that in mind, what that means is, this world is full of unbelievers, and a lot of those unbelievers aren't because they don't want to, or they refuse to listen, or they refuse to, to uh, accept the word of Christ, but simply because they haven't heard of the gospel. They haven't been fed the knowledge or the understanding that there is a God who can save them. Through, them, through Him, you can find redemption. Through His Spirit, you can find salvation. And the way of life, the only way of life, the true way of life is through Him. And whose fault is that? Because we do not want to spread the word, or we are shy, or we are scared, or we have excuses as to why not. <sighs> so, I was, uh, I was uh, uh, thinking one day I was um, about this, like how do you, how how does one reflect Christianity off of them to the to them? So I got thinking, well, what is Christianity? Then I, then about five years ago, I was like, well, what the? It's, it's a relationship. Well, we all know what builds a relationship. We know the time, the effort, the dedication it takes to build a relationship. And, uh, and then later on, after two, three years, I was like, well, it looks like, if I have a feeling there's more to it. Yes, it's a relationship, but a relationship is just a foundation. And then I got to, th- and it, it just, it just, it just drove drove my head in circles, trying to think, what is Christianity really all about? Yes, serving God. But how? Through what? Through our life. Now, if we serve God through our life, what does that mean? Well, if we look at everybody in the Bible, all the—well, okay. If we, if we look at John, if we look at Elijah, if we look at Noah, if we look at Moses— what do all these people have in common? Well, how, how is their Christianity reflected? Yes, it's a relationship with God. They had a very close relationship with God. But going deeper into it, it was a lifestyle. If someone comes to you and says, um, are you religious? You say, yes. Well, what does that mean to them? It just means that you believe in a higher power. You believe in an authority that you worship, well, that, by, that, by that means is if you go to church on Sunday morning and you sing, you give your praises to the Lord, you pray, you get filled up, well, let's just pray that one tank is full for you for the rest of the week. Come Sunday, repeat it all. But no, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You leave church, you have that lifestyle that reflects your Christianity, your light shines out, and, and to be honest, when you're, when you're young, when you're youth and your Christianity shines out, it's brighter than ever. It's brighter than when you're a child. It's brighter than when you're, when you're an adult because there's something that everybody looks upon because all the trends these days, every popularity, every, every style, every new whatever hashtag becomes popular, all of those are pretty much brought out by the teens of this world. Because they see what their friends have, what's in school, what's in college, what goes out, that hits the streets, that becomes popular. everybody focuses on, focuses on the teens, the youth of the world. So the way we project ourselves has a larger impact now in on us in later on in life because we we, we, we are sowing something greater so that we have something to reap now if if we if we are bitter and we are angry all the time, well, that doesn't really shine off as very good. Yeah, times are hard. There are times when you will fall down and you won't understand why. Um, about nine, ten years ago, there was this um, there was this story being told on the radio by a by a father. The story was about his daughter, and he was telling the story based on a time back when um the the last recession hit he all but almost lost his job he was barely holding on to barely making any money to get by and they had this closet in their house where they would keep all the crafts and stuff for um for making presents Um, when there was a birthday you know they still wanted to make it special so they would reuse the paper wrappers and little boxes and stuff so they would store it in that closet so and um it was, it, was, it was precious to them. And so this father, being down, um, almost in depression, he he was in a state of mind where anything would set him off. So he comes home tired one day, and his little daughter, I don't remember how old she was or if they even said, but his little daughter comes up to him and hoping to make her dad happy, hands, her this, hands him a box she made. And he got mad that she went into the box. Well, he got even well, he got mad after he opened it up and noticed that it was empty. So he got mad that she took she went into that closet, took their, their um, supplies that they were technically rationing, uh, and built the box that was empty. So he yelled at her and scolded her. And, her, and the daughter gets tears in her eyes, puts her head down and says, "But daddy, it's not empty." I blew kisses into it until it was overflowing. And um, the story goes on. To, and, um, it wasn't two weeks later. Um, the little girl and her, and, her, and her mom go out to get ice cream after dinner when they're both killed by a drunk driver. And um, it got to me thinking. I was like, how fragile are we? What sets us off? Our temperament? How important is that? The last thing that we can say to someone Could be could be the last ever. It's it's hard to leave just do to be angry at someone, but then you leave the world and they're mad at you, but that will fade. But what if you're mad at someone, they leave this world, that will never leave you. That'll be with you forever. Like that father, he said he had that box by his bed forever. He still does. Well, it's been ten years ago. I bet he still does. A little box full of kisses from his little girl that knows lo- that is no longer around. So, if I can leave you guys all with just one thought, it's just reflect on your now. Reflect on your past. You can't change the past. No, they can't build you a time machine. No, they never will because people do not govern time. Reflect on now, reflect on your past, because all of those domino effect into the future. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's a year, whether it's a—it's by the time you're ninety, these days are precious. These pre- these days are what will haunt you. Um, I thought I was gonna read from one more place. Gal, uh, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. All of the, each and every one of these traits, they're, they're the fruit of the Spirit. And as with all fruit, it, it has to be Planted. You have to grow it. You have to meditate on it. You have to find out what it is that takes that you have to do for you to bear this fruit. We are. We're all started. We're all blessed with this, with the, with the same principles. We're all blessed with the same um, with with the with the same factors. Uh, so for the most part, we are. We can all. We it. it we all. Indivi- although we are all individually different, we can all as a family help each- one another grow and grow these fruits within us within our spirit. The importance of these are by far mind boggling um, love joy peace long suffering kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, like I said with that story with that with the father and her son you know it it's it's all there. He had the love. Um, he didn't have the joy. He didn't have the peace. He had some some kindness into in him and goodness, but it was all buried under darkness, under coals. Even when we're down, and if we don't have that strength to help us in our downtime, in our in in in, in our times of sorrow, it will all be covered, and we can't see our fruit. So. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So once again, let's, uh, it would be, you know, uh, if I could just leave you guys with one thought, is to just reflect on your now and your future. Because, you know, we are fragile, and if we fall, it's, it's sad for us as a family. It's sad for your family, uh, your parents. It, it's it's not pretty. And I don't mean to be so depressing and down, downing you guys, but it's important. Um, if we focus on our lives, we as a family can be happy in heaven together. Let's all stand up and pray.
0: There's this story of two men And these two men decided to go on a missionary trip. One of these men was an evangelist. He was a preacher, and he was very good at what he did. The second man was a doctor. And so these two men went to a foreign country. They went far into the mountains somewhere to a very remote place where there was a people, a secluded small group of people, a village you could say. And here these two men went. And so they came to this village. They started preaching the gospel. They were doing what missionaries should do. They were preaching the gospel of salvation, Jesus Christ. And so there was a little bit of a stir. People were growing. People were excited. But not everyone was really paying attention. Not everyone cared. Until they found out one of these men was a doctor. When they found out that this man was a doctor, every single person came to the hut where they were staying and they crowded the building and they were shoving themselves into this building to get to the doctor. Because here in these mountains, no one has ever seen a doctor. And people are bringing their sick, their children, they're lame, they're weak, they're blind, and they're saying, help us, you are a doctor. We have never seen a doctor before. And for three days, nonstop, for three days, there was a line coming in And out of that hut, just to see that doctor. And that doctor did not even have the necessary supplies to do what he could. All he had was some medicine, some antibiotics. But the fact that he was a doctor was enough to make everyone force their way in and see this man. And in that same way, we read in the book of Matthew something very, very similar. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. Starting at verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. What does this mean? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent men take it by force. Jesus Christ came into this world. He was a doctor, right? He came. He was preaching the gospel of salvation. He was healing people. And just like the story I just shared, people were crowding to him in a very violent way. The scripture says, this is not a bad kind of a violence. This is like a positive aggressiveness don't you think these are people that are rushing to the only hope they finally have they have never in their life seen someone who could save them physically and spiritually and so they rush to him they did not care how long they had to wait very often we read in the scriptures they were hungry it's been days now and Jesus says feed them they're going to faint if you don't feed them they're following him for days and they're carrying the sick the needy they're coming they want help this is the only doctor They've ever seen. And so here we see the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Or another way to say it is this the kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and the violent claim it. The kingdom of heaven is taken by force, and it's only those who eagerly want it who obtain it. It's only those who eagerly want God who will obtain God. It's only those who genuinely want what Christ has to offer and those who are willing to surrender to get it for themselves, to snatch it for themselves, those are the only type of people who will get the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus Christ came and he was the doctor. He was the one that could save you and die. He was the one that could heal you and die. And there were people, and we know of them, who did, who did what they could to seize it for themselves. If you were at the conference or the, what, what, would, what would it be called, the, the seminar Sunday evening, it was Leo Frank, and he talked about the paralytic, right? The paralytic had four friends, friends that carried him to Jesus, but there was a problem. The place is packed. They can't get through the door. What do they do? They take him through the roof and they drop him down, and Jesus says, what faith. They snatch that for themselves. Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, rich, hears Jesus is coming, but the dude's short. He runs ahead. He climbs up the tree. He says, I'm going to see who this man is. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to dine with you tonight. We see this woman that comes to Christ, and she's a sinner, and she falls before his feet, knowing everyone is watching, knowing he's a prophet, and she anoints his feet with her own tears, with this perfume, this anointing, and she wipes his feet with her hair, and she does not care. She's going to snatch the kingdom of heaven for herself. And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins, which are many, are forgiven. And so the lesson, the lesson that the Word of God tells us In this gospel, not only in this gospel, it's written in another one. It's written in the book of Luke, chapter 16. And we read it very similarly, but the same thing. The book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 16. It says it like this. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, or evangelized, preached. And since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. The kingdom of God is here, brothers and sisters. We are here 2,000 years later. Jesus Christ is gone. We have his word, though. And he says to all of us here today, you've never seen me, but you're blessed if you believe in me. And the kingdom of God is something that can save your soul. See, physical healing was great, but even Jesus had compassion on them and said, they have something that is a deeper need than physical healing. Their souls are lost. These Pharisees have been abusing them and ruling over them. And these Jews are ruining them and hurting them. Jesus knew what they really needed was spiritual Healing. And today, for you and I, my question is this Does your faith parallel? Does your faith have that same tone of violence that we read about here? Does your faith have that same positive aggressiveness that we see in the scriptures? This is a, not a bad kind of violence we read about. Are you seizing the promises of God for yourself, brothers and sisters? Do you come to God in prayer and say, Lord, your scripture says this, my God, would you be faithful to your word? Lord, this is my youth and I will serve to whatever capacity I can. I will seize this for myself. Does your faith mirror that same violence? Or are you like me, where in the beginning, when we first repented, we were willing to do anything. I remember being a young teenager. I had repented. I said, Lord, you can have everything. Lord, send me. I'll go. You want me to go? I'll do it. I'll do anything, Father. Have everything. Time passed, though. We got a little bit comfortable. We got a little bit lazy. We got a little sedentary. And nowadays, uh, what is the joke that we have, right? We, we're in our 20s. We get married, and we just kind of start retiring from there. Isn't that what the joke is? That's the climax for a lot of us. Lord, have mercy Sometimes I think that would be the dream life to get married and slowly retire. And my conviction is this where is that violence? Where did that positive aggressiveness go? Why am I no longer running to God? Why am I no longer taking the kingdom, which can only be taken through violence? And I'll just wait here in the back. Everyone else is up there. The door's kind of blocked. I can't really get in right now. Uh, The service already started at 10. It's 10.05. Why should I come to church late, right? What's the big deal? Uh, I'll just go next week. We've gotten so sedentary. And the conviction is this. Where did that violence go? That violence that Jesus loved. Jesus loved the fact that sinners ran to him. He was grateful that the tax collectors were dining with him. He was more than happy that the prostitutes were coming for salvation. He was happy that they were snatching it for themselves. He was more than happy that I, as a young teenager, fell on my face and was willing to surrender everything that I might gain Christ. To be like that man who finds that pearl of great value says, I'm putting this back. This is mine. I'm going to sell all I have by this field that I might have the pearl. To surrender everything. To say that nothing is comparable to this kingdom that God can offer me. And I will do whatever it takes to bust my way in, to force myself in, to push everyone aside to make sure that I get these promises for myself. That I can claim these privileges of adoption and sanctification for myself for myself, brothers and sisters, for myself. And so the message that I wanted to leave with you at the end of this service is this. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent men take it. The kingdom of heaven is taken by violence. Violence, aggressiveness. This is not a bad violence. This is a passion. This is an eagerness. This is a zeal to put all the effort you can to serve in your youth, to seek God in your youth, to take him at his word, to fall at his feet, and to surrender everything that you might think is valuable, to lose your life that you might gain it forever. And if you are a Christian in this place and you've noticed that your faith has gone sedentary, you've noticed that You're no longer at the front door anymore. You don't sit in the front anymore. You don't come to church on time. It's fine. I'll go next week. You see in your own faith, I read the verse of the day. Ah, it's fine. Fasting, ah, what's the big deal? You've gotten lazy in your faith. My encouragement to you is this. (laughs) Never thought I'd be saying something like this, but you need to get fired up again for God. There is nothing wrong with this passion and this zeal that usually comes from young people when they first believe. This childlike faith that makes us run to our father, that makes us claim him for for myself. He's my dad, and I'm going to come to him. These are the promises he wrote for me, and I'm going to take him at his word. I will serve and trust that he will take care of my needs. I will be willing to suffer violence, because that is the only way. It is only through this aggressiveness that the kingdom of heaven has even reached. Those Pharisees and those people who were not willing, those people who were not hoping to see Jesus, never saw him. Jesus Christ did not go out to them. He went to those who ran to him, the ones who fought to get to him. The woman that said, if I could only touch his cloak, imagine a woman coming through the clouds saying, all I need to do is touch his cloak and I'll be healed. The zeal the passion for God, the aggressiveness, God, I will claim this for myself. That is the only way to gain eternal life. That is the only way to be a healthy Christian. It's the only way to see God bless you and grow you and mature you spiritually. It's to continue with that same aggression, that same positive aggressiveness, that same zeal that you had, that same eagerness, that intensity that says these promises are mine. That says, these privileges, I'm claiming for myself. That is what we should have all the days of our life. And I think we will not regret it. When we sow today and reap in the future, that which God has planned and in store for those whom he loves. He loves us so much. He loves us so much that even if we aren't fired up, he still loves us, we're still saved. But when we stand before him, will we be ashamed? When we stand before him, will we regret that we did not serve him? Well, we regret that we lived for ourselves, that it might have been violent in the beginning, but then it was kind of chill, and then I just let someone else take the blessing instead. I want to claim the blessing for myself, brother and sister, and my desire is that you too would want to claim the blessing for yourself, snatch it for yourself, seize it for yourself, and God will be pleased with you. Let's bow on our knees and let's pray.
3: Praise the Lord. For He is good. Amen. Amen. Um it was a good service. It was a good word. Praise God. I enjoyed um the original. Um original by Radu. Um amazing. Amazing instrument and amazing uh, performance. Um Boris, thank you, thank you. Very good uh beginning. Remember the, your Creator in the days of your youth. Um, and that made me think: What does it mean? Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. What do you guys think? How do you remember your Creator in the days of your youth? Practically, any advice? Any any suggestions? How do you remember your Creator? Can you remember your Creator when you're in school? Yes. How about at work? A very demanding job. Can you still remember your creator? Can you still glorify him? Okay. Okay. I think so too. You know, my school, when Boris was talking about school, I'm like, hmm, my school wasn't too demanding, so I was able to be in church, you know, involved and so on. I know people have master degrees here and have bachelor's degrees. So my question, is it possible to get education and to be in church, to serve God? I hear that from the sister side. The brothers are quiet. <laughs> yes, okay, so I, I hear yes. Um, that's encouraging, right? That is encouraging because God gave us the abilities. God gave us... Um, time to make our youth um, days useful, that we may glorify Him. Um, And for some people, it means to glorify God is by doing missionary work in India. You know, um, that's another prayer need. My sister is flying out to India on Thursday. I forgot to, to pray for her or to ask to pray. Please pray for her. Um, for some people, it means serving on the college campus and bringing the light of Christ to their classroom, and to standing up and speaking out and say, "Well, um, I don't think that you know evolution happened this way," and uh, can I write a paper on God's design? and God's creation, and you may get denied that option, like that happened in my classroom with one of the guys. But you still stir that discussion, you stir that perspective that there is a creator. There is. We are a creation. And um, we remember our creator in the days of our youth. And I can look uh, look, uh, different for everyone else or for every single person that looks different. I know that God placed me in the place of my work for a reason, not just to make money. That's not the main reason God placed me there. Then, it's so you can make good money, make career, just because, you know, you're a good guy. You deserve it. God placed me there so I can be the light. I can be the light in the construction, uh, doing construction, you know, by playing Christian music. I come to my barber, she plays Christian music. She barely can speak English. But you have Christian music playing, and that speaks a lot. It speaks a lot better to the soul. Let's remember God in our youth. Amen. 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 That's, that's all we need to do. That's all we need to do. I'm going to be closing with some announcements. We have something exciting coming up next week, and it's the Bible series um, I Am. And uh, the series will begin with the series with um, a statement of Jesus that I am the bread. Of life, and my question is: Do you guys have uh, cell phones, uh, iPhones, cell phones? Right? Uh, raise your hand if you have a Bible app, YouVersion Bible app. It's called Holy Bible. At the same time, okay. So about about eighty to ninety percent. The reason I'm asking this: We might be utilizing their event uh, option, where you can get sermon notes and and questions and things like that. Um, if you do not have that um, downloaded, I suggest that you connect to your Wi-Fi, download it so you have it ready, um, and next time we possibly will uh, we'll use that. Alex Lepedanik is going to be our first speaker, and we're going to have this series for um, through April, I believe, through April. So, looking forward to that. We will finish with a prayer. Uh, but before we do that, do you guys know that every Thursday after the communion, so this coming up Thursday, there's a special service on Thursday. And that service is youth-led. It's been advertised as the youth leads that service. and Thursday, there's Bible school here. But the youth is leading the main service. Um, Friends, it would be very encouraging if the youth actually would be there. I'm inviting you personally to join us. The worship group is going to be there. The preachers from the youth are going to be there. Let's support them. Let's come up. Take the first uh, few rows. Worship God. Sermons are going to be half in English, half in Russian, I believe. And uh, it's happening every month on Thursday. It's one of our services as well. So I'm inviting you. Join us. Let's make Thursday services alive. Amen? And youthful. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. God bless you. Let's stand up. Let's pray, worship God, and let's fellowship right after this.